0: Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations.
1: I'm Jo Neville and you're listening to Euronet Plus Panorama. Next week, Brussels plans to unveil its long-awaited package of proposals to reform the EU's pharmaceutical strategy. Initially tabled for the end of last year, the grand reveal has been pushed back three times – The latest delay was heavily criticised by MEPs, as time is getting tight for the legislative work to take place during this mandate. In recent months, EU member states have faced supply problems for some key medicines. Antibiotics for respiratory infections and painkillers for children, for instance. Indeed, according to a PGEU report published earlier this year... Many EU countries are facing shortages of hundreds of different medicines. Things have got so bad that the European Medicines Agency, or EMA, has recommended relaxing the rules to allow pharmacies to dispense individual medicine doses. Several factors have played a role in these shortages. The availability of raw materials, for example, and high energy costs have led several pharmaceutical manufacturers to significantly reduce their production, or forced them to request government bailouts. Lithuania is facing the same challenges as many of its fellow member states, confirms Angelika Uraite, head of pharmaceutical policy at Lithuania's Ministry of Health. And in an interview with Zini Uradias, she highlights another reason for the
2: shortage COVID. The The main shortage of antibacterial drugs is due to a sharp increase in demand for these drugs. The year before last, we were living in the context of a COVID pandemic. People were at home, there were fewer points of contact, there was more protection. Now that the requirements have been relaxed, people walk without masks, use less disinfectant and so on. So the incidence of these diseases has increased and the demand becomes so great that it has not been possible to entirely meet it. Since production was scaled back, it has not been possible to get back to pre-pandemic levels.
1: National governments across Europe are looking for legislative ways of stabilizing supplies. Oraite explains how Lithuania has dealt with the situation.
2: What is good about us in Lithuania is that we have certain tools, legal tools, that allow us as a small country to import the medicines we need from other countries in foreign packaging. This has also allowed us to import generic drugs from India. At the same time, Europe's different medicines agencies joined forces, our state's medicines control service, the European Commission. Manufacturers were found in India with the cooperation of the European Commission and member states and some of the drugs came from there. Meanwhile, member states also work together. For example, we managed to get medicines for Lithuania from Poland.
1: The Lithuanian example sheds a spotlight on an issue being felt in Romania, whose once competitive drug manufacturers are, according to our sources at Radio Romania, losing their leading position in the EU single market to Chinese and Indian firms. These Asian producers are able to significantly undercut their Romanian counterparts, despite a government-imposed cap on the latter's prices. Simona Kokosh, president of Romania's Association of Generic Medicines Producers, tells Radio Romania that her country's medicine manufacturers are being squeezed from both sides, with rising production costs adding to the pain of the price cap. She suggests that this combination of factors is causing numerous drugs to be dropped from
2: domestic production. In addition to the price increases I mentioned on all the components of drug production, manufacturers cannot pass these increases on in the final price of the drug because this is fixed by the Ministry of Health and is the lowest anywhere in Europe. So, basically, manufacturers' costs have increased by, say, 30 or 40% on previous years, but they have a fixed price and are not allowed to sell for more. As a result, many medicines have started to disappear, and the very affordable ones are now the ones most affected. Interestingly,
1: Germany's federal health minister, Karl Lauterbach, actually wants Germany to offer higher prices to drug manufacturers to make it more attractive for them to sell to the German market, says national broadcaster AMS. Germany has been struggling with shortages, particularly of children's medicines, for some time now.
0: We suspend fixed prices, we suspend discount contracts, and for existing prices we allow companies a 50% price increase. This immediately makes it more interesting for pharmaceutical companies to supply medicines, or even produce them, for children in Germany. We will afford this for our children's sake. I don't want to experience that again, not being able to take care of children here, while the same medicines are available in Holland.
1: Of course, this kind of action from richer member states could have a knock-on effect on medicine availability elsewhere in the block. Joint procurement could be used to ensure universal access to drugs across the EU, but some member states argue that this should be limited to times of real crisis. The existing supply shortages have led to disruptions in the EU's single market, with some producing countries, including Romania and Belgium, giving priority to their domestic markets, a practice that has been slammed by EU Health Commissioner Stella Kyriakides. Once upon a time, Romania was among the largest producers of pharmaceutical active substances in Europe. Over time, almost all these plants have closed, says Radio Romania, leaving the country's pharmaceutical producers dependent on importing their ingredients. Kokosh cautions that for everyone's sake, Romania's medicine factories must not be allowed to go down the same route.
2: I think there are things that can be done to ensure the survival of these drug factories because they are very important. They create jobs in Romania, they improve the trade balance through exports because these factories produce for export too. They pay taxes in Romania. They stimulate the other industries involved. Not to mention that all these drug factories serve as a kind of health insurance policy for the country for use in an emergency scenario such as the Covid-19 pandemic. Losing further production capacity anywhere
1: in the EU would be a blow to the entire bloc, especially given the Commission's current drive to increase self-sufficiency in multiple sectors. The Health Emergency Preparedness and Response Authority, or HERA, which was established in 2021 to prevent, detect and rapidly respond to health emergencies, is currently seeking solutions to address weaknesses in the supply chain. It remains to be seen, hopefully next week, what the final package of proposals will look like. It is set, among other things, to reform the EU's pharmaceutical legislation and the legislation on medicines for children and rare diseases. Speaking to AMS a fortnight ago, EPP MEP Peter Lieser critiqued an earlier manifestation of the delayed proposals, saying that it had contained very little on the subject of combating medicine shortages. Yesterday, the 20th of April, The EU's health commissioner suggested in Strasbourg that the latest version of the proposals would firmly tick this box.
2: We will also be taking measures to prevent shortages. For example, in the revised pharmaceutical legislation, we will be looking at medicine availability. We will be for the first time adopting an EU list of critical medicines for the supply obligations so that these can be under the pharmaceutical companies. Companies who are marketing medicines in the EU will have to have shortage prevention plans because this is about prevention and not facing the shortage once it happens. That will ensure a continued supply to medicines and the EMA will also have a coordinated streamlined (coughs) process to manage shortages at EU level.
1: The package will also contain recommendations on antimicrobial resistance. MEP Leeser agrees that there is a real need for controls in this area, with tens of thousands of European deaths each year resulting from our growing resistance to antibiotics. Yet he is also heartened by the fact that the new proposal provides an incentive for the development of new antibiotics. Support for pharmaceutical innovation is in fact a key element of the package. In his interview with AMS, Lisa touches on the topic of currently untreatable diseases.
0: And then we have the problem of how to help patients who cannot currently be cured at all because there are no effective drug treatments. There, too, the earlier proposal was not good enough. We in the European Parliament have been demanding for a long time that real innovations be better promoted. But the concept that the European Commission presented would, I believe, have tended to weaken innovation. And that's why I think it's good that we're now discussing it again. However, I will be happy when a concrete proposal is finally on the table at the end of the month and we will then, hopefully, get a reform of the pharmaceutical legislation in Europe before the election.
1: Ironically, in this wider context of medicine shortages, some medical supplies are actually stacking up with further deliveries on the horizon, namely covid vaccines. Most of the existing vaccine contracts have expired or are soon to expire, but there are still outstanding doses due for delivery. But some countries already have a stockpile of vaccines that are heading for the bin. These countries don't want more doses piling up or to have to pay for the privilege. The glut of vaccines has led to calls for an investigation into how such large contracts were ever awarded and for the contracts to finally be released into the public domain. Bulgaria does not need more vaccines right now, said the country's health minister Asen Medjidyev last month. From now on, they only want to receive doses when these are required, and only to pay for the quantities delivered. BNR shares
0: his comments. We have about 1.4 million doses that have been paid for, but we are deliberately not having them delivered because we would have to scrap them as there is no one to administer them to. Not to mention the huge number of doses that are going to be administered in Bulgaria next year. We need a lot of money in healthcare at the moment, an air ambulance and a children's hospital. At the very least I will not allow myself to spend financial resources on something that no one wants that we don't need, and that then I have to spend large amounts of money destroying. And the same story is playing out,
1: to a greater or lesser extent, across the Union. In Poland, Italy, and even France, French Green MEP Michel Rivasi tells France's Euradio that of the 1.8 billion doses covered by the contracts, half of these were compulsory purchases. She outlines the extent of the
2: problem. And they said to the Poles, you're going to buy so many million doses. We have you down for one point something billion. But the Poles said, no, we no longer have any demand. We're no longer in a health crisis. We would prefer to give those one point something billion to the Ukrainians we have to take in as a result of the war in Ukraine. The Baltic states have started to say the same thing. So, the Commission took the initiative of bringing member states together with Pfizer to say, don't put so much pressure on us, and, most importantly, spread the doses out. Pfizer agreed and spread out the doses until 2023, but there are still 500 million doses left, as things stand, with all the stocks of doses that have expired in the member states. Italy, for example, has 30 million expired doses.
1: The Commission is in the process of liaising with vaccine suppliers to reduce the number of doses delivered, increase the flexibility of deliveries beyond 2023, and secure medium and long-term supplies, particularly in the event of a new COVID-19 variant emerging. So that's a wrap for this week. We'll be back again next week, so do come back then for more news from around the Euronet Plus network.